Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Today's daf is being taught by Justin David, the rabbi of Congregation B'nai Israel in Northampton, Mass. So today we're only going to consider one line, maybe even only seven words. Those words were the opening line of the new chapter, the new Mishnah. Kol kodesh matzilin otan We save all holy writings from a fire on Shabbat. A number of compelling questions arise from this first statement of the Mishnah. For one thing, what question is the Mishnah responding to? Is it, should we risk life and limb to save a book? Or is it, can we, while maintaining the boundaries of Shabbat observance, save a book? Or is it, do we risk violating the boundaries of Shabbat observance, in this case by carrying from private to public space, in order to rescue a book? Of course, the kind of book that would prompt these questions is a special kind of book, in particular, a holy book. But what is holiness exactly? And how does that quality come to inhere in a book? When I think of the meanings of holiness in the Torah, I think of how human beings express devotion to God. There are holy objects set aside for use in the sacrificial system. There are holy places that are restricted for their role in sacred worship. And there are behaviors, some ritual, some ethical, that come under the banner of being holy, signifying the characteristics and conduct of a people devoted to God in the Torah. In all of these contexts of the holy, there are objects or spaces set aside for special use and consequences, sometimes lethal ones, for transgressing the boundaries of the holy. At the center of holiness, of course, is power, inchoate and limitless, but real and palpable. But holy writings? Books seem to defy the biblical notion of holiness. We use them every day. We write in them. They're in our homes. They seem too every day to be holy. Also, the notion of a holy book is a rabbinic invention. There's nothing in the Torah that says books themselves, even the sayings in the Torah, are designated as kadosh, holy. In fact, Moses shattering the tablets may illustrate that there is nothing sacred about the words themselves apart from their ability to guide us to spiritual and ethical devotion. Nevertheless, the rabbis do claim that the writings of the Bible are sacred, And so what do they mean? Perhaps their view was similar to that of the Torah, that studying sacred texts not only leads to, but actually constitutes the kind of devotion prescribed by the Torah. In this vein, we read in many places that the study of sacrifices is equal to the offering of sacrifices themselves. But aside from what we can infer what the rabbis had in mind, the rabbis in fact express a sense that holy writings are imbued with a kind of power that we can't comprehend. One of the ways in which the rabbis articulate, is, articulate this thought is through the notion found in the mission of Tractate Yadaim that a certain book is holy if it has the power to, quote, render the hands ritually unclean. Strange, isn't it? If something is holy, we might think intuitively that it would, that it would purify our thoughts, bring, our closer, bring us closer to God, purify our bodies. But not so with holy books. The scrolls themselves actually do the opposite by rendering our hands ritually unfit for holy service, 
and therefore limiting our contact with food and rituals that would have been deemed holy when the temple stood. The other explicit standard for deciding whether a book is holy or whether it is imbued I'm sorry, rather, for the, uh, the other standard for deciding uh, if a book is holy is whether it's imbued with what's called Ruach HaKodesh, or Holy Spirit. Now, how would one actually know if a book is imbued with Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit? Well, the Torah and the Prophets are pretty clear in that they're records of God's direct revelation to humanity, or so they present themselves to be. But what about writings in which God's voice doesn't appear, such as the Song of Songs, or Ecclesiastes, or the book of Esther, in which God is never even mentioned. The Talmud in different places takes up the specific questions of these books, and through these discussions gives us a picture of how the rabbis saw the Holy Spirit at work in a book. In Tractate Megillah, in the Talmud, the Gemara notes how in the book of Esther we read of Haman, quote, speaking unto his heart, which is to say, considering his innermost thoughts. The Gemara asks, who else knows the innermost thoughts of a human being other than God? So in the book of Esther, we see the omniscient narrative voice's evidence that the, that the story has its origin in the mind of God, not the mind of humanity. But more than isolating the literary feature, I believe the Gemara evokes our own sense of deep connection when a book or story moves us. When we read a book and it feels as if the author has anticipated our deepest thoughts and yearnings, those which we keep hidden from those closest to us and even sometimes from ourselves, we're left with both a sense of profound awe as well as connection to the author who wrote the book. I believe this is what the rabbis had in mind when they speak of a kind of spiritual literary experience of Ruach HaKodesh, of Holy Spirit. And so perhaps the rabbis are suggesting that when we read something in our sacred texts, and it pierces that core of our being in a similar way, it is as if God is reading our minds. Perhaps they're even struggling, suggesting that to read a text so deeply is actually to be read or known or even addressed by the Holy One. Ecclesiastes poses a special problem as it carries a general tone of cynicism, quotes like, nothing new under the sun, everyone has the same fate, all is futility, but also it contradicts itself on a number of occasions, so the rabbis point out. But the rabbis also point out that at the end, the book says, this above all else, fear God, and that's enough for the rabbis. But does just one statement make a book holy? Perhaps in citing this verse, the rabbis are trying to say something deeper, that the holiness of a book is to be found in a sense of moral and spiritual transcendence. Famously, the rabbis remind us that the Torah and all the books of the Bible speak in the language of human beings. This is particularly true with uh, the sayings of Rabbi Yishmael and his school. Many of the stories feature both supreme violence and pettiness, the deepest fears and unfulfilled desires of people. But if we are willing to look, we can find a voice that pierces these concerns with an expansive, overarching love and an uncompromising sense of justice. Perhaps this is part of what the rabbis meant by calling these books holy. But the most revealing rabbinic expression of what makes a book holy is to be found in the rabbinic conversation over the Song of Songs. As we know, Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, is shot through with an erotic charge that drives its images, its language, the entire rhythm of its poetry but its voice is almost completely secular. In fact, biblical scholars have suggested that's exactly what the book is, ancient Israelite secular love poetry. While beautiful, does it merit a place in the biblical canon alongside the prophecies of Moses, Isaiah, and Jeremiah? Does it deserve to be read in conjunction with the stories of Elijah and David as a counterpoint to the yearning piety of the Psalms? 
History obviously tells us yes, and according to the Mishnah, it was the argument of Rabbi Kiva that won the day. Rabbi Kiva said, all of the biblical writings are holy, but the Song of Songs, Shir Hashirim, is Kodesh HaKodashim, the Holy of Holies. Now what did Rabbi Kiva mean? I don't think he meant, as the rabbis flesh out, that the holiness of the Song of Songs was due to its being an allegory for the relationship of love between God and Israel. Rabbi Kiva could have said that, but he didn't. Instead, Song of Songs is holy of holies in at least two senses. Eros is the driving force of all creation, and its expression in love is perhaps the closest we come to a sense of the fundamental power of God at work within the world, encompassing everything and transcending all. In another sense, perhaps what is uniquely holy about the Song of Songs, or any holy text, is its role as a spiritual inner sanctum, that these writings take us to the deepest internal reaches of ourselves, perhaps where we as selves cease to exist except as joined to other souls and the soul of God. So as I've riffed here, I'm guessing that these are the qualities the rabbi saw as holy in our sacred writings. A sense of God knowing our innermost thoughts, a feeling of God as a supreme moral and spiritual voice as revealed in the text, and an intuition of raw power in these books that reaches to the depth of our souls uniting us all. Perhaps it's these qualities that would motivate the Mishnah to consider how one would transgress the prohibition against carrying from private to public spaces on Shabbat, not to mention risking life and limb in order to save a batch of scrolls from a fire. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.